Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, where each week we hope to raise the bar for youth ministry by asking questions, interviewing thinkers, and having real honest conversations about what it looks like to lead the next generation. I am Brett, and today I am thrilled to be joined by Tom Chef Shunis. Hey, everybody. Otherwise known as Chef Ashley Marie Bohentz. Hey. Who I think we'll just refer to as Ashley for this episode. And joining us again, we have Kurt Johnston. Hey there. So, Kurt, if you weren't with us a couple episodes ago, is the next gen pastor at Saddleback Church, and he is hanging out with us today. And today on Rethinking Youth Ministry, we're going to be talking about this idea of structuring your ministry for growth. So as we jump into this conversation, I want to try and define some of these words that we're talking about, because when we talk about structure and ministry, it can mean a hundred different things to a hundred different people. And the same thing with growth. So I want to start with growth. I don't want to go too long because this could be a whole, other, a whole other podcast, and we've kind of talked about this before, but when we're talking today, structuring your ministry for growth, what are we talking about with growth? I th- well, I think it could be a few things. You're talking about spiritual growth. You're talking about numeric growth. We're talking about, you know, I, I feel like, I hope, I could be wrong. I mean, who knows, but I feel like we're talking about the sort of growth where you need to start thinking about who does what as you as you grow as a ministry. Yeah, I think that's what I first thought of. I was trying to think back of any time I've asked myself that question, like, uh, how do I need to position us for growth? What changes do I need to make to the structure? And it's always, how can I get more people involved? How can I make more space, be more proactive, yeah. rather than reactive to the growing pains you often sure. experience in ministry? Yeah. What about when we're talking structures in ministry? What do we What do we mean when we're talking about that? Like, the actual physical space that we're meeting in? What do you think that we're well, talking about? You know, when, when they were talking about different ways to frame growth, my mind went to that's such an uncomfortable conversation for youth ministry. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a conversation that's first on our mind, you know, especially numeric growth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also a conversation that we know we have to have. It's a mm-hmm. conversation we know we have to think about. Um, so when I think of structures for growth, yeah, I don't think... I don't think we're talking physical structures. Right. You know, I mean, eventually that, eventually at some point, mm-hmm. the physical structure does impact your growth because I don't it know if you've ever seen the of, physical structure at Saddleback Church, but <laughs> it's pretty dang impressive. Brett, we're sitting across from Kurt and Chef. Like their physical structure. Not you're talking them, personally or the not personally? Uh, excuse yeah. me. I was gonna say you're of, welcome. Of the ministries they led, were were pretty phenomenal. But yes, but <laughs> I though. think we make a mistake of thinking, oh man, if I can just have that right. structure, right. Right. then we'll grow. That man, if we just had that youth building, if we yeah. just had. Yeah. Or physical structure. If we, had, if we, if we just had it, a church bus, yeah. think of the things we could do with a church bus. Right. Um, and I think that's a mistake. So, and I, it's not how it works. It's not how it works. You don't get something before right. you mm-hmm. need it. That's just Very, the way it goes. Build it and they will Very come. Very right. Yeah. Okay, so let's take this kind of to a really practical level. So when we're talking about structures and ministry, what what are some of those systems? What are some of those structures that we're, that we're talking about that have the most impact of what we're, yeah. the growth we're trying to see? Yeah. Well, I, I think that's asking the wrong question first, mm. um, because before you structure, I think the right, que- the wrong question, the number one wrong question is how do we grow? Yeah, right. That's the, but that's what everybody asks. Hey, so how many right. you running? How many you running? How do you? Right. You know, re- the reason we ask that free question beer. is because we want to know that's how do we grow? How do we grow? <laughs> that's the best way to grow <laughs> student ministry. Free beer. Free beer. Um, but the structures follow the strategy. Mm. So I think the first question would be, you know, why does our ministry exist? Mm. What are we here to do? 
call it a purpose statement, call it a mission statement. I have to call it a purpose statement. You have to. Contractually. <laughs> if, I, if I don't, I get right. in a lot of trouble. That's right. Um, ears, the listeners, they're, they're everywhere. Um, but, but once you define like, hey, this is why our ministry exists. Because if your ministry exists to baptize 500 students a year, hmm. that's, that's why your ministry exists. Now you're going to put different systems Absolutely. and structures in mm-hmm. place than if your ministry exists to share the good news of Jesus on every public school campus in our county. Mm-hmm. If that's why you exist, now you got to put different structures in place. Yep. Yeah. So I, I think you got to decide like, hey, what's the purpose? What's the mission? What's the ult- the end game of our ministry? Mm-hmm. And then you structure accordingly to help you. It's, it's the old, you, yeah. you put a target and aim for the target instead of just shooting an arrow and then going and drawing a target around it. So vision, strategy, structure? Vision? Vision, strategy. I w- yeah, I would say vision or purpose or yeah. mission purpose strategy purpose. yeah structure okay and then i would add by the way growth is almost almost always somewhat of a natural byproduct if you get those three things aligned <clears throat> hmm. mm-hmm. that is how you have to operate for growth i mean that growth is always a secondary benefit of right. doing something else right right so when i was a high school principal at a small private school free schools down the road terrible business model the goal was to grow well, the reality was that was a terrible goal. I needed to create a great school hmm. and then it would grow. grow and figure out what the thing was that set us apart from the big free school down right. the road. I mean, there's the, the famous Chick-fil-A quote that we will get better. Our customers will make sure we get bigger. You, hmm. know, that, I, you should explain that story more. Well, it was, it was a story that I heard about um, Chick-fil-A years ago. I've, I've read it somewhere. I've heard several people talk about it, but really they were they were experiencing their first real competition. And so they were talking about how to keep up with the other organization that was competing with them. And so they were trying to figure out how to do the number of stores. And supposedly there was a moment where Truett Catley, you know, basically either stands up or he just smacks his fist on the table and he said, I am tired of this conversation. Our job is to figure out how to get better. Our customers will make sure that we get bigger. Hmm. Thus, the super Boom. massive big yeah. pepper cruncher. Yes. You ever been there where the guy walks around the big, like the four foot <laughs> yeah, tall pepper? Yeah. He wants a pepper. That was the turning point. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. But anyway, the the competitor who was trying to grow is gone, hmm. and hmm. Chick Fil A's doing all right. There you go. Interesting. So, yeah. Interesting. Well, and we all know we've been around the block a few times. That you can grow. If, if you just want, we just want a bunch of kids to show up. Right. You joked earlier, free beer. Right. You know, that's, that's... There are several acceptable versions yeah, of that. Uh, if, if, right. you have, if you have money, you can grow a youth ministry. Because hmm. you can buy whatever you need to buy to attract kids for mm-hmm. a little In the short term. In the yeah, short term. Exactly. Um, and unfortunately, I think a lot of people, even listening to this podcast, um, there, is, there is that tension. There is that pressure because we all know a little bit of short-term unhealthy growth kind of put some chips in our pocket mm-hmm. with the powers that mm. be. Um, and so it's really tempting to do the the flashy, a little bit shallower, get some short-term growth. Right. And there's actually a place for it. You know, I, I think the, the whole attractional side of ministry. Yeah. So going back to what your goal and how you structure, at Saddleback, we do structure. We have a massive top of the funnel. I mean, we right. do some, we don't give out free beer, but we, you know, we do some fun attractional stuff. But you're using it strategically. It's part, it's a yeah. total right. part of our process mm-hmm. that gets us to our goal. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what do you think are some of the consequences? You've got the, you've got the vision, 
you've got a strategy of where you want to go, but your your structures are poor. They're not well thought out. Maybe you're a leader that just doesn't that just can't really think structurally, and so it's hard for you to build some of those things. What are some of the consequences in those kind of situations? I remember several years ago, I was actually asking this exact question. Um, the ministry that I was leading, we were transitioning from like a event-driven ministry to a small group-driven ministry. And so we figured out what our vision was going to be and what the strategy was going to be. And I remember sitting actually around a circle with you, Kurt, and you, Chef, and I was asking the question like, okay, so how do I build systems and... and Whose answer do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> Both of you had significant bum, bum, influence bum. on me. She works me. for me now. <laughs> the answer is Kurt. <laughs> but well, so I was asking the question, and I think that for me, the beginning of the journey was um, recognizing what systems and structures I had in place currently. Because sometimes you're just so used to your normal, you don't even know what your system or structure is. Hmm. And I remember asking, and and Kurt, you looked at me and you said. Ashley, here's the truth. You're asking the right question, and the structure that you put in place for 50 kids is going to be the same structure that you're going to be able to work within for 200 kids in the future. Hmm. Like that will position you for growth to figure out your systems is and that structure now. Something like that. I'm not sure or if you I should. agree with myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. well, I mean, I mostly well, Kurt to Kurt. well. I here's here's what I meant by that. How, how long ago was that conversation? Years. Okay, that's why. Like four or five. Um, no, but what I mean, I think what I meant then was. There's a tipping point where whether it's f at 50 or 60, at some point, all the thinking, all the strategy, all the time and effort it takes to run a youth ministry of 60 or 70 kids is pretty much the same as it is to run a youth ministry of 600. Mm -hmm. um, maybe not at 10 or 6 kids, mm -hmm. but at some point, that ministry of 40 or 50, you, you have to have structure and systems in place there. And the shell of those or the discipline of thinking right. structurally and systemically is going to help you get to the next mm -hmm. stage. But I don't think I would have said it's going to be the exact same structures, the exact same, because they have to scale. But right. the framework, I mm -hmm. think, is, in other words, I think a youth group of 60 probably has more in common with a youth group of 600 than it does with a youth group of 10. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is the systems mm -hmm. in place. Don't you think it's when it, be, when it moves beyond what you can do alone? Maybe we need to start thinking mm -hmm. structures. We need to start thinking what Peter Drucker would say is the bottom line of leadership. For sure. Who does what? Yeah. Right. And we have to start thinking who does what and you have to think beyond because when you're, you know, when you're in a youth ministry, like I grew up in, it was my dad, you know, and it was right. nine of us from sixth through 12th grade in a cinder block basement. And, and that was our small group and, right. and the best he could do. But as you know, if we would have grown, which we, we didn't, but that didn't have anything to do with my dad. It was, you know, it was just the reality of the cinder block basement <laughs> might have had something to do with it. Vision I'm just of saying, the black mold. Yeah. Right. Hey, kids, come down to the cinder block basement. Yeah, it's not Lots of that really wouldn't fly that. well. No, no. <laughs> you are talking to several people in cinder block basements. So I don't even know what a basement one, is technically. It. I've never really. Oh, that's right. You yeah. California, California guy. Uh, Earthquakes. <laughs> Is that Stuff why? Like that. Sorry. I don't know. I don't know why. Anyway, so we're back to structure. So, you know, you're beyond what you could do on your own. You have to start thinking about who does what. Yeah. I think once that happens, then you've got to start thinking. And I think I agree with old Kurt. You've got to start thinking in a way that, you know, whatever we do will be what we do 
as we grow, it, that who does what may change, or mm-hmm. the how many who's do what will change. But what is it? What are the things that we want to do? So, and by calling saying old Kurt, you mean currently like I'm older, Kurt, like, or I'm, the old <laughs> Kurt from a couple yeah, years ago, younger Kurt, or yes. old Kurt, or Kurt. Old I agree Kurt. with younger Kurt. It's twofold that talked Back. a long time ago, okay. but I'm talking <laughs> to old Kurt. Gotcha. Happy birthday. By the way. I, and I do think, thank you. Separately. So you're right either way there. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> but here, I, and I, I think this too is, I think it's, you're wise to think one stage ahead. So if you're 50, a lot of the systems you put in place should be systems that'll handle 75 or 100. Mm-hmm. Right. Like always no, be think thinking the next, the that's next so set. And a lot of them is going to be the same, old Kurt. A lot of it's going to be the exact same. Right. Current Kurt says, yeah, but a lot of it's going to change because 50 and 75, there are differences. Mm-hmm. Let, let me give you some North Point lore as far as how it got started. So the six of them sat in the, in the basement and they were the six founders of North Point and they were dreaming about how to create a church and trying to re-envision what it looked like. Lots and, of basements in here. Yeah. <laughs> so they're meeting like every other week or every third week and all that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, they're, they're not growing, but they decided let's go ahead and plan for a church. Of, mm. I don't remember what number they chose, but like you said, let's go ahead and plan for a big church and figure out how we would structure it. Right. Right. And then they took their six names and they put their names all over it, meaning they all had many jobs. Mm-hmm. Right. But it was a plan, it was a vision for growth yep. for what it would be someday. Like when we do get to this point, what are the jobs that are going to need to be done? Right now, it might be all your job. Right. Or right now, if you're wise, it's not all your job. You start to bring some volunteers yep. in to help you yep. do some of those things, right. you know, and, and trust them with some stuff. But you are operating with the systems and beliefs and structures, even though you may be the person doing most yeah. of it. That you will see as you grow years yep. down the well, road. Well, and at Saddleback, we have had the same strategy from day one. Hmm. From, 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 I mean, literally from day one. It was the same strategy that we employ today. Um, so if the strategy is part of your system, right, that's a strategy that's lasted from an apartment, without a basement, but an apartment... <laughs> All the way up until until now, you know, 20, 20 campuses. Um, but some of the systems, mm-hmm. right, some of the systems to support that strategy right. or support yeah. the growth have had to morph and they've had to change over time. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's where some youth leaders that are listening have probably experienced some pushback with this because we talk about, you know, you, you structure for growth. And so they build some of these systems, they build some of these structures that aren't just meant to work for their 20 kids or for their 50 kids. And you've got parents that are saying, why, why do we have to do this now? And you right. get small group leaders and volunteers that are saying, wait, why are we doing this? This right. doesn't seem like right. we should have to jump through all these hoops. So, is, is that just a vision casting thing? Then if you're that leader who's kind of getting that pushback for some of these systems that you're trying to create and people aren't catching on, what's the, what's the solution there? I think it's largely a vision casting thing. Um, and it's vision casting slash just messaging, Yeah. right? So if it's, let's just use a safety thing. You don't have to have a lot of vision to care about safety. Right. But if you have six kids in your, let's, let's talk next gen for a minute. You know, if you have six kids in your fifth grade class, a lot of parents might say, well, why do we have to check them in? Everybody knows me. I know everybody. Right. I'll just pick them up after right. church. But you go, no, we care about your child's safety, so we have a check-in procedure. Mm-hmm. Now, the beauty in that is you answer the current question, we care about your child's safety, and it scales up yep. to 1,000 kids. Right. Um, and I think there's youth ministry examples are full of that. So some of it's vision, and some of it is just messaging 
Like, hey, no, here's why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, such a big part of leadership is just messaging. Yeah, vision to me is overrated. To be honest, mm. you know, I, I I say all the time, anybody anybody can have vision. Anybody, it's the leadership is the hard work of fulfilling vision and mm. messaging vision and getting people on board. And um, my son has my son's twenty. He's got all kinds of vision. You yeah. know, he's going to be rich and have <laughs> like twenty five girlfriends. Yeah. He's got so many. He's got so much vision. Right, great. How are you going to do it? Oh, I haven't thought about that. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> vision's the easy part. And so many youth pastors. I'm just a visionary. Yeah. I just want, you know, they want to get, they want to get a paycheck for just having vision. And, and I think the messaging and putting systems, it's a, the nitty gritty hard work of being in the trenches and building systems and figuring out when do we scale this? When do we, that's the, that's the tough part. Mm. I think one of the most beneficial things I did when I was asking those questions was um, to go visit other youth ministries Mm. and spend time with their team, ask questions about their programming and when they're not meeting, because learning how their systems work, um, it was very clear to me what would never work for me Mm. and would never work for my context and what might be a really great change I can make. And something I always tell teams I lead or teams I'm part of is like, great healthy, growing ministries aren't 100% better than every other ministry. They're 1% better in 100 different ways. Mm. And the that's way that good. you talk and about it... Did she say that? that? That's your own thing? That, that's uh, strong. Yeah. She says that all the time. Awesome. Wow. That I is love awesome. It. Yeah. So to add to that, I think um, a couple of things. One is you were always so good at asking when you would come watch stuff, why? And I get so many people that ask me, what do I do? Yeah. And there's just a difference in that question because you're the leader. You have been entrusted with the leadership of your program to your kids. If you understand why, it may look very similar to what you saw. But why is such a better question? Because at the end of the day, you may have to change the what mm-hmm. that's done into your yeah. Because that's your ministry, and like you said, right. you've got to be the one to execute on vision. Right. Right? right. I mean, my leadership coach says leadership is a vocation. It's not a speech. It's not a gift. Mm. It's hard work. Yep. Yep. It's swinging a hammer, swinging a hammer purposely over time to get things done. And he's, um, I think he's exactly right. Another thing I would say to your question, Brett, is like, what about pushback? It's change. Mm-hmm. There will be pushback. Mm-hmm. And part of your job as the leader is to weather that during pushback, cast vision, yes, be clear about those things, mm-hmm. expect people not to like it yeah, because it's sure. not what for sure. they're used to. And that's it. It's just not what they're used to. It's terrible. But it's what they're used to, you know, sometimes. <laughs> and I'll, 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 I amen that because when I look back over my youth ministry career, I've got more regrets for the times I didn't change, mm. the times I didn't make a move, right. implement a new right. system, because yeah. yeah. right? people don't like it. Way yeah. more regrets over things I didn't change than the times I did right. and maybe got it wrong. Because yeah. you can always, you, you change and get it wrong, you can always self-correct, right? right? Um, but if you don't make the change... Then you, you don't see you don't see any progress. Yeah, I mean, I do think maybe just in, in another way of thinking about systems is that can be a scary word. Hmm. Systems, and mm-hmm. I, I know somebody might be going, "I got I got a youth group of twenty kids, twenty five kids. Do I really need systems?" Maybe another way to think of systems would just be, "What are some of the the best practices? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of the habits of your youth ministry?" So for us, you know, our our volunteer system is just this this cycle. We just enlist, equip empower, encourage, hmm. enlist, equip, empower, encourage. Um, there, and there's not a lot. I mean, there's parts, there's, you know, there's nuts and bolts to each of those. Yeah. But as long as somebody on our team knows our system for volunteers is just enlist, equip, empower, encourage, enlist. It's just a best practice. Yeah. It's just a, it's a mindset. Yeah. Um, 
it doesn't have to a system doesn't have to be this massive infrastructure yeah it can be best practices right. things you do what do you do over and over again to help you get the results that you want mm -hmm. and creating a system is to be clear creativity mm. or innovation is what we learned a couple weeks back at a conference where we heard a uh, oh, I talk about creativity and he taught us there's creativity and then there's innovation. Innovation is creativity applied to a problem, hmm. which is what we're talking about right. here. We're right. talking about solving a problem your ministry faces all the time in a way that everybody understands how to solve it. So you can focus on those problems that don't have a system because ministry's messy and you know. So what are the things that you're constantly having to work on? What are the things that you're constantly going back to redo yeah. and undo? You need a system right. and you need to get creative right. and solve yeah. or innovative. And, and, and I think, you know, we, we, we can kind of pit systems and structures up against just good old fashioned relational. Use Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, man, where, how, that's been lost in this conversation. Um, right. But to me, they are hand in glove. Yep. You can't, you don't want one without the other because um, systems will kill your youth ministry if it's right. all about the system right, mm -hmm. and it's not about right. the people behind it. Yeah. Why do we have these systems? Because we love teenagers, yeah, right? And we want, right. To, we want as many of them to experience the love of Jesus as possible. So we're putting some systems right. in place to help us stay on track. Right. We're going to automate what can be automated so we can focus on that, which yeah. can't be. Right. Because there teenager, is. Teenager, right? I mean, like, say that again, because that was good. Automate what can be automated yep. so we can focus on what's important, those things that can't be automated, relationships. Right. Yeah. Right. Because I think there is, you know, especially for, you know, young youth leaders that are stepping into a role, volunteer full-time, whatever, there's this desire to be authentic. There's this desire to, you know, to be focused on the relationships and to come off genuine and, and all of those different pieces. And I think that there's this fear that, you know, one of the things that we talk in ministry about is, you know, do for one that you wish you could do for many. And so there's this tension that you have to live in between that and that's not a system that you can structure a ministry around as you individually as mm -hmm. a leader. Mm -hmm. And so what's the tension between being able to do that when you're able to, but at the same point, being able to set all of your volunteers up for success, to mm -hmm. be able to set up for that kid who you don't even know who's going to come visit in three weeks, set them up to, to right. get to get connected and to build some relationships yeah. and to set up a long-term relationship yeah. with the church. Well, you're using the right verb, set them up for success, but what you can't do is systematize and guarantee mm. success, mm -hmm. not right. with a relationship, yeah. right? Well, and one of the things I say to our team all the time is hardly anything awesome happens by accident. Hardly anything amazing happens by chance. Um, so you might luck into something every now and then, mm -hmm. but the structures, what those do is you're kind of like, it's the foundation. You're setting yourself up for awesome to happen. Mm. You're putting the, the pieces in place. Awesome follow-up doesn't happen without some structure. Awesome attention to detail doesn't happen without some structure. Awesome parent ministry doesn't happen without some structure. It doesn't just show up on your doorstep. Yeah. You, you got a structure for the awesome that you want. Right. I have so many people say, well, I'm creative. I like to wait till the last minute. And I think it's the system, like especially with what's your system for creating a talk or what's your system for you know creating a program. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, I really want to let the spirit work. I'm like, well, like the spirit can't work during planning. You know, like the spirit can work all the time. That's and true. if you give yourself a system, it's actually the system that will allow you to have a last minute idea. Right. Which makes a really good idea better. It's, yeah. you know, when you don't have a system, you're just, you're just doing your first idea. Right. All the time.
I think maybe something a lot of youth leaders struggle with is a lot of times we don't think about systems and structures until there's a crisis hmm. or beca- or when we're experiencing the growing pain. And all of a sudden it's like, I need more volunteers to come to camp with me right now because yeah. a lot more kids signed up for camp than I had prepared for, you know, that I had created a system for. And all of a sudden we start operating out of like... Um, reactive mode rather than the proactive mode where proactive mode would be more like this is where we're gonna go we don't need you we want to invite you to be part of something you know and so it's like having to switch gears and thinking about it when you don't actually need it yet which is i think the problem because there's so many things on the plate of a youth leader yeah and it's really hard to catch up to get ahead. Yeah. So let's see if this analogy makes any sense. Unless you're planting a church where you've got time ahead of time to build all these systems, to set all these things up, essentially you're in your ministry and it's, you know, to, to kind of use the head, the building a house sort of metaphor that we've kind of talked about a little bit. In youth ministry, it's always raining. You know, there's, there's, <laughs> there's flood, you know, there's flood water coming in and you're trying to build a structure at the same time. And so what are some of the first kind of tangible steps that we can encourage somebody to take to, to begin to build those structures in the midst of the rain and the tyranny of the urgent and all those things that are going on? Find a mentor, somebody that is further down the road than you, that's doing it, that can help coach you and wrestle through some of the tensions you're feeling. Mm. I think that was such a huge thing for me. And I would just encourage people to embrace the reality of parallel tracks I mean, almost everything in life is parallel tracks. Um, so, you know, you could say it was the best year of my life, the worst year of my life. Well, that can't be. Well, you know, my dad died, but I got married. Worst mm-hmm. year of my life, best year of my life. And those those have to somehow coexist. Mm. In, in a way, what you described, there, there's no way to, to turn off either of those. Right. They, they both have to exist simultaneously on parallel tracks. You somehow, and I'm not sure if there's a science to it. You know, so much of this is art. Yeah. You know, you, you got to mm. do the dance. Um, but you somehow have to learn to exist on the parallel tracks of putting a tarp over and bailing out the rain yeah. and building the foundation. You know, you have to somehow develop your leaders and, and set your, your, your check-in system in place on the same week that a student ran away from home. Yeah. Because... You know, the one they, they both have to keep moving along. So right. sometimes it's being, just being intentional with your week and your schedule and yeah, blocking time off sure, to say, hey, I know sure. this is going on. I'm going to do that. But right now, I've got I've to create yeah. some systems. Well, again, leadership, right, is a vocation. You've got to work on it and you have to work in it. Mm-hmm. And you have to set work on it time for yourself. And again, the work in it may happen because there could be an emergency and it will get canceled, right? Mm-hmm. But if you don't set that time to work on it, mm-hmm. it's you're never going to work on it. Mm. So you have to stop. And of course, like I said, it gets run over. But you've got to set time to work on it. I put, I call it white space on my calendar, and I just put three to four hours of white space, and it gets eaten up all the time. Mm-hmm. But at least there's a couple hours where I, I set back, and it's like I'm not going to get anything done. I'm going to think about just you know what we do and how how we can do yeah. it better. Balcony time is the way that I was taught to think right. about oh, that. That's a good way. Where I can get that. I can get up, I can get out of things, I can have a different perspective right. on what's going on to not have those things on my, right. you know, the tyranny of the urgent stuff that yeah, it's going to have to get in, done at yeah. some point. In California, we call it basement time. Basement time. <laughs> <laughs> where we can just kind of go down in the basement, right. hunker, hunker down, surrounded by cinder blocks yes. and just well, think, just think. You know, I'm from Pittsburgh blue collar, we get, we build things. And mm. so for me, it was such a hard transition for me. And I still 
have a like I get to the end of a day and if I don't have something to show for my work, meaning I just thought about how to do things better, I feel guilty like I didn't get anything done. But the real the reality is I got lots done, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and that's important stuff for my team, for what we're trying to do, for you know, progress. So as we wrap up this conversation, some of the things that I'm hearing are you know, our, our, our systems and our structure are really going to define a lot of the success that we have in ministry, that there are a lot of other things that go along with that. But for that not to be, a, you know, a flash in the pan or, hey, we had a great year, didn't we? We had a great, we had a great three-year run. Wasn't that, wasn't that great? So to set up that long-term success like we all want to have in, in, in ministry, whether we're at the same church for 20 years or not, we want that church to have some long-term success. Mm-hmm. And so for us to to set that up, we've got to build some of these structures that aren't dependent on our personalities mm-hmm. or just the, you know, the just the just the relational aspect that we hope that it's happening between small group leaders and students. I mean, if you step back and think about what your ministry has to get done during the week, and maybe that's a great way to start. Just start putting, you know, on a whiteboard, just start writing out the jobs and then yeah. color coding them and you'll basically come up with a few piles. I think those piles are there's the program that needs to happen, mm-hmm. there's the logistics that need to happen. We got to mm-hmm. figure out who has a peanut allergy and who, who you know <laughs> who needs a who needs a special meal at camp and all that good stuff. And then there's the volunteers who are in your ministry that you need to be thinking about and um, how you might separate that as you grow or how many folks you need. Again, that can be staff, that can be volunteers. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that need to get done. Again, those may be all your job right now, but. There's the program, they're your volunteers, they're the logistics of what needs to get done. Mm-hmm. And as you start there, I feel like you can kind of get started. Yeah. I think that's good. I think, you know, it's really about multiplying yourself as a leader and preparing your ministry for growth really is going to be about getting people in place in order to take things off of your plate. So you can be thinking about the ministry. Hmm. And I think that that goes hand in hand with what you just said, Chef. Figure out what pools of people, where do you need leaders? And then that will trickle down into more and more people getting involved in that area. Hmm. Yeah. And, and my, maybe my, my closing thought would be um, the, the tension, the parallel tracks, whatever, of like you can't live without structure in youth ministry, but don't let it kill you. Because mm-hmm. um, control is kind of a... It'll kill relationships. And right? it kills growth. Yeah. Too much control can kill growth. And so yep. part of your role as a leader is to f- kind of, you ebb and flow, you know, mm. it's, and you go, hey, is this a season where we need more structure to get to where God wants this thing to go? Or is this a season for us, man, God's doing something. You know, there's something that's kind of happening yeah. outside of our structure. We couldn't plan for it. Well, don't try too hard too quickly to contain right. that and to, and to quantify it and box it in. It might be a season to just see what God's doing, and, and, and then you can kind of structure accordingly a little bit later on. So be careful not to kill growth through overstructure. That's good. Awesome. Well, everybody, thank you guys so much for joining us for the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love for you to subscribe. However you listen to podcasts, leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing, what we're doing well, how we can make this podcast better, more helpful for you. And finally, for more great resources, to check out some show notes for the episode, to learn more about the student curriculum and the strategy that we're a part of at Orange or what Kurt is doing out at Saddleback, we would love for you to visit rethinkingym.org. And until next time, I'm Brett. I'm Ashley. I am Chef. And I'm Kurt. Thank you guys for joining us.